What is up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Mean Enough Podcast. I'm Ace. This is RB3. And this is the podcast where we talk about your favorite directors and the deeper meaning within their movies. And this episode, we're going to get a little animated. Not, not really. I mean, unless RB3 wants to do that in post, which he doesn't want to do. Nah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> add any animation in post. RB3 is going to literally 3D animate us on the time of this episode comes out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that is not true. But we are doing Brad Bird this episode, yes. the director of The Incredibles. The reason we're doing this, guys, is because The Incredibles 2 is coming out, and apparently a lot of people want to see that movie. Because yeah. it's tracking to be a, probably the biggest Pixar opening of all time, right? Yeah. That's Which wouldn't be surprising because it's the Pixar hype and the superhero hype kind of converging. That's such a good point. That's yeah. great. Yeah. I mean, think of the the previous one is Finding Dory, too. Yeah, Finding Dory was sequel. a su- super sequel. Did like a billion dollars worldwide. Yeah. Highest gro- That's the highest grossing Pixar movie of all time. Did you yeah, know that? That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. I remember because I, I, I did a Finding Dory thing uh, for the Schmoes. Like two years ago, no one's like. Oh, Anyways, uh, 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 and was it animation? What was it? Animations or an animation? Was it? Was oh it? yeah, no, that wasn't it. That wasn't uh, the one I'm talking about. But uh, animate. I forget what it was. Oh, I didn't man. make it up, guys. Yeah, so Someone else made ago. it up for me. Yes, yeah, I used to talk about movies. animated movies on the Schmoes, and then they were like, "Nah, no one wants to hear that." And I was like, "Can I talk about anime on the Schmoes?" Yeah. And then they were like, "Sure." And then they were like, "Nah." And then, yeah. but you had indie picks too for a little indie bit. Indie picks, I, yeah. I, I, I like doing that. I think I did it twice or three times. So I was like, mm. I tried, I tried, guys. I, I just want to talk about stuff that people don't usually talk about, like Hereditary. Did you see that movie? I have not seen Hereditary. Oh, yo, my man, how come God. yo every time I walk oh, into, anytime I walk into anything these days, like I, I, I just did a, a thing with the Wangers uh, today, yeah. and like literally the first thing I, I do when told, I walk they in, they're you. like, hey, did you watch Hereditary? Like, no, I haven't watched it. That movie <laughs> shook me to my core, dude. Damn. I literally, I went in as blind as you can be. Um, I honestly didn't know what the movie was about. I didn't even know it was coming out. Yeah, like I was, I went in super blind. I just know A24 horror movie. Sure, I'll watch it with my, my buddy who invited me. Mm-hmm. And I walked out and I turned to him. I'm like, ah, oh, screw you, man. I'm so <laughs> mad at you right now. Because you disturbed me to my core by watching Damn. this movie. It's... It's intense. Okay, it's I got, a lot. I got peeped that then. It I got hurt peeped me. That. <laughs> but uh, anyways, guys, before we get started with our episode and go through all these movies that we're going to talk about, we want to read your comments from last week's episode, which we didn't Whoa. do last week's episode. We didn't read your comments. Apologies for that. Won't happen again. Maybe a few more times, but I'm just saying it won't happen again. Yeah. Um, we okay. want to read your comments from our Star Wars episode, uh, which was interesting. To say the least. Yeah, we went um, for two hours and 20 minutes talking. Let's not do that uh, again. <laughs> Apologize. If you guys said all through it, I mean, I got one positive comment on Twitter. And yeah, I was we, like, got 20, right. we got 21 comments on this episode. Hey, Can man. That? that for us, that's like that's yeah. like 300 comments, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, let's start with a negative one that says, Simon B. W. Khan says, you purposely left Solo out of the thumbnail, right? Or yeah. Um, actually, no, I did not purposely leave out solo out of the thumbnail actually what i literally did was type in star wars posters in the google images mm. that was the first thing that came up from starwars.com and i used that as that's the great that's <laughs> what i would have done yeah <laughs> so no 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 shade towards solo yeah um let's read another comment that says david mikula says when are you guys going to do a danny boyle episode he did just get announced to do the next james bond film Ooh. come on uh, yeah, that'd be an interesting one. I'm Danny salivating Boyle. at the mouth to do a, a, a Danny Boyle episode. Oh, I thought you said to see that James Bond film. Oh, that too. I mean, that too. That, that too. to me, I mean, yeah. 
Daniel Craig for one final Bond as mm-hmm. Bo- as James Bond with a Danny Boyle Danny Boyle directed one. Yeah. That sounds amazing. I mean, Daniel yeah. Boyle to me has mastered every single genre that he's worked in. He's um, he's pretty dope. He's yeah. pretty good, and he's yeah. he's very. I I personally think he's underrated too. Oh, definitely. Because everyone he's, gets a lot of attention, but he doesn't seem to get a lot of attention. He's made Best Picture winners. Yeah. Um, a lot of people consider you know Sunshine one of the best sci- sci-fi movies like ever. You know. Yeah. Um, you know he and there was the one he did with James Franco when he cut off the arm. Uh, Oh yeah, 127 hours. 127 hours. Yeah. Train spotting. Train spotting. So just a catalog of Some Dog Millionaire is legit one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh, there you go. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. that one got got a tiny bit of backlash. Yeah, as far as after the hype. it won best. Yeah, after they were like, best. it was it wasn't even that great. There, no, was I, a lot I of love that movie. Man. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. I remember watching that a while back. But uh, we'll definitely do a Danny Boyle episode. I, I think it's something that is worth doing. Um, uh, Guy Cole says, great episode. In my opinion, the best way to enjoy Star Wars is just enjoy the movies that you like. For me, it's all of them. And don't look on social media at all the debates. And just remember, it's a movie for all the family. Uh, dude, can I tell you a story? So I hung up with a friend of mine. I'm not going to name names. but uh, And this person isn't on social media. But they're a Star Wars fan. And mm-hmm. I was like, all right. Let me break down everything that's going on in Star Wars fandom because <laughs> you're not on social media, right? And and uh, they're a big Star Wars fan, so it's very interesting to hear like after like me spewing out everything that's going on in the Star Wars fandom, they were like, "What? <laughs> that sounds insane! What what's going on? Yeah, <laughs> like honestly." Staying off social media is kind of, or like not going into it, right? I mean, you can, you know, see debates and you can choose to like go away. But I, I, I'm like, dude, I don't want to hear some dumb people debate, man. I want to hear smart people debate, but not dumb people. And most comments and most of those people yeah. that debate it are pretty dumb. Mm-hmm. But it was so interesting to see their reaction to me telling everything that's going on with the Star Wars fandom. Mm-hmm. And also to, to see their opinion on Solo. Because mm-hmm. it's... I've said it before, hyperbole is killing fandom. It absolutely is. Hyperbole is is killing fandom. And I've heard Dan Murrell talk about it too. Shout out to Dan. Um, That he says, like, everything is worst movie ever or best movie ever. You suck if you don't like it. And it's like, there can be average movies. There can be okay movies. There can be movies that are kind of fun and kind of enjoyable. But when it comes to, like, these big tentpole movies like Star Wars and DC movies and Marvel movies, it's all hyperbole. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but to see that reaction from my friend of mine was just pretty funny. I was yeah. like, this this does sound stupid when I say it out loud. This sounds so dumb when I say it out loud. But yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I think hyperbole is awful. So now I try I try explaining to people all the time that what's happening with the Star Wars thing. Yeah. Like, so I mean, to one of my buddies, like, it's a civil war in the Star Wars community right now. <laughs> yeah. He's like, what? I just like yeah. just watched the Last Jedi. I thought like it was okay. Yeah, you know, but then. You know, also, I mean, I, I, I agree with the hyperbole thing because, like, you can't be in the middle of the road with, mm-hmm. with anything these days. And that's days, where right? we like, were with Solo. At yeah. least personally, I was. I was yeah. like, oh, it was all right. It was all right. Yeah. I had fun moments. And, yeah. And people were like, you hate it. Yeah. You listen like, out of the thumbnail. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Or like, or, like, you can't admit that it's awful. Right? <laughs> right? And it's like, no, that's not what we're saying at all. We're yeah. just. Saying it's the same okay way movie. you could think Infinity War is just an average movie. Infinity War is just an average Wrong. motion picture. <laughs> I, I, I take that's the, the, the that's the hyperbole. Yeah. 
No, that's fine. You can totally say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can totally say that if if you feel that it didn't. And there was a lot of people who who have your opinion on that movie too. I felt that there was a lot of them. So it's a totally fine thing to do. But I just feel like taking. I I explained this to to my friend as well. I said taking stances now is starting to make you like that's when it gets a little bit too much. When it takes, it makes you a target, and I hate that. Mm. If I say. Um, I like The Last Jedi, or pretending, right? If I say, oh, I love The Last Jedi, oh, then you must be a feminist, blah, 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 who mm-hmm. hates all this, and mm-hmm. screw you. And I'm like, well, because I like The Last Jedi. <laughs> right, right, like, right. it starts to become so politicized and so, like... Well, yeah, I remember doing a, a tweet, like, a while back ago, talking about, you know, uh, how much I appreciated that Last Jedi put, you know, a lot of thought into, you know, the fucking, the script, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's not, some of it's kind of shitty, but the parts that... That our, work, our work. work really you know yeah. is very deep and very symbolic and all that stuff so i put a tweet you know kind of saying you know, i appreciate that black panther and and and, and last year i were talking about it and people were like yo that's jedi who shows like i don't i wish there was a way we could like communicate like nuance you know what i mean yeah. like because i don't even really like the yeah, last jedi. Like <laughs> yeah. and i just but you, to, i just appreciate that there was you know some like a message to it you know some symbolism some meaning i mean we do the meaning of podcasts so like, i appreciated that I wish I, I wish there was a way to communicate to people that you know, and you when you talk about taking stances, it ends up putting me on like the pro last Jedi stance, yeah. even though I don't really like it, but I still have to defend it, you know. So I don't know. It's too much. Yes, it's always. I, I read a comment that that <laughs> I don't even know what podcast it was listening to. I listen to a lot of Star Wars podcasts. I'm like yeah. drenched in it. I rewatched all the movies, obviously when we did the episode, right? And I rewatched it again when I was with my family. So I, and my mom's like, do you, are you sure you want to see this again? You just And I'm like, let's do it. I love. I can watch Star Wars more than any other franchise. I've talked about that. But I was listening to, to another podcast, and I read some comments into those. Like, you just can't admit that The Last Jedi is the worst Star Wars movie ever. And I'm like, why? Why would you comment that? And that doesn't even make any sense. Right. I don't know. I'm going to stop. Well, I do, what I do think critics do need to get a little better at is like initially being like, Oh yeah, I really love the Last Jedi, and then like as soon as fans start like turning on it, they're like, "Oh, Last Jedi was the worst movie." Name seen. names, bro. You I'm not naming it. No, I'm not naming it. You got to name names. Because I feel the exact same way. There's some people I'm not gonna name names, but I was like, "Didn't you say you liked it? <laughs> Didn't you love this movie?" And now all of a sudden it's like, "Oh, I mean, I don't know what's going on with Star Wars. I don't know what's going on." And it's like, okay, all right, I see you. Mr. Never mind. Right, I think I think you I think you're doing a very specific impression. No, right? no, 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 no. I was not. It's indie wire guy. I'm talking about the indie wire guy. Um, anyways, <laughs> by um, the way, I love I I, I do love indie wire because whenever yeah, they I love indie wire. No, it's funny when indie wire puts out a review and they give something like everybody loves. Like I remember sure. when Interstellar gave they gave it like a D minus or something, sure. and I, like literally like the critic had to like tweet out like, "Hey guys, I'm sorry, I'm not sorry, but like he's like I'll, I'll well, revisit." Or that's kind of like. what happened in my opinion with Bright too, because the first tweet that we saw from Bright from a critic mm-hmm. was like worst movie I've ever seen in my entire freaking life, and we were like, "Oh shit, all right." Yeah. So this is what we kind of, and then when we saw Bright again with Bright, it's all right. It's, all right. it's not. It's not bad. It's not terrible, yeah. but it's not great either. It's it's yeah. all right. It's an it's okay movie. Zootopia. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know about that, but uh, it's an okay movie, and I think it's fine to make an okay movie. And I just remember that 
it's the same with with Bright as far as word of mouth, mm-hmm. and that's that was a word of mouth coming out of the Last Jedi too. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, yeah. Where everyone was like best Star Wars movie ever. Well, I don't know if you saw those tweets. I like I like seeing people's tweet reactions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember you texting me. I texted, loved, me I, I texted you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I texted girl. you about Solo too. Yeah, yeah. You those did. Solo ones, I was like, oh shit, <laughs> this doesn't sound good. Um, anyways, guys, let's get back on track with yeah. your comments. Uh, Rex Timula Timalu. Tim, Says, give the prequels some credit. They have positives, um, and don't don't ignore the originals had flaws too. Uh, I I I love the prequels. I don't know if you listened all the way through to my episode. I adore the prequels. Like in yeah. a deep, deep, deep. I rewatch the prequels with my family again, and that's something that a lot of people don't do. Um, I thought I gave them some credit. I I thought I I talked about the writing is probably the weakest part as far as far as dialogue is terrible. Um, but I love the story of the prequels. I love the crazy political mumbo jumbo, crazy stuff that you don't go to, going on. And I love the Phantom Menace, the dry political Phantom Menace that everyone hates. I love. So I don't know. I think I gave the prequels some credit. And I don't know about the the original having flaws. I yeah. I talked about how some of the scenes in the original ones are kind of silly. They're, and people don't remember that. They literally block that out of their mind. They're like, Star Wars isn't silly. And I'm like, mm, have you seen A New Hope? Have you seen Return of the Jedi? I mean, that's some silly ass shit that goes on. Yeah. And people don't remember those scenes because they kind of block it out of their mind or, or give it up to nostalgia. But. I think people expect like this like new, like serious thing to Star Wars now. You know, like you watch, it's particularly the first Star Wars, like that's very 70s <laughs> sci fi. Like, you know? Oh, yeah. I, trust me, I rewatched it. I was like, ooh. <laughs> All right. Some of this stuff. All right. But I mean, it's still fire. I mean, it's it's still, still it still holds up yeah. very well. I mean, it probably holds up more. I mean, better than uh, most of the sci-fi movies during that time. Sure, um, but I just you know when you look at some of the some of some of it is just it is kind of cheesy. It is kind of and that's so what they're going cheesy. for. And that's what yeah. they're going for. You know. Yeah. Um, but it's just when you watch something like Rogue One, it's like this dead serious war movie. Yeah. It's like a totally different. Like that's I don't even know true. how it evolved to that point. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And you love Rogue One, right? I love Rogue One. Oh, I, well, I think on, I think is like I, I appreciate it more like as as I watch it. And sure. as I watch it, I feel like I appreciate it more as more movies come out. Sure. And I you know, I start to see I guess the directions they're kinda going in. Sure. Um and I appreciate it on that front. Uh but uh uh I, I'd probably I'd probably rank it like second out of like the new Sure. New new stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah for so, sure. Not bad. Yeah, I mean that it's it's interesting when it comes to major franchises, but Star Wars, man, come back to us. Come back. <laughs> let's let's be at peace. Let's yeah. hold hands. <laughs> give give we Star Wars back same. to Marvel. Give Star Wars back to Marvel. No, <laughs> give Star Wars to Donald Glover. Let him run it. <laughs> let him run the show. Yeah, uh, I mean they didn't let him do Deadpool, the animated series. So yeah, he wants to push buttons, and people don't want to have their buttons pushed i still think he should have been the one to finish uh solo uh that would have been an interesting choice yeah i mean that's a lot to take on though hey man he directed great episodes of atlanta he's an emmy award winner that's true that's true all right guys uh that's it for comments once again please leave us your comments every week it's the best way for you to communicate what you're feeling each episode guys if you're an itunes listener what up we also want to give you a shout-out. But yes. if you want to leave us comments as well, feel free to jump on YouTube and we'll read your comments live on camera so you can listen to your comments being read on the show as well. Ooh. So we appreciate it, guys, and keep doing that every week because we do see you. We see you. Um, <laughs> let's now get into uh, Brad Bird. Yeah. Mr. Bradley Bird. Um, he is a... 
mainly an animation director. I don't know if you want to... He's made a transition to live action. Sure. And, you know, kind of transitioning from the Star Wars conversation, right? You know, uh, he uh, was originally considered to direct episode seven, uh, um, The Force Awakens. That's right. I yeah. remember that. Way, way, I was going to say, well, man, I totally remember that. It was yeah. one of the first names, and apparently it was Michael Arndt's script that, uh, that uh, he was given. But he was so passionate about Tomorrowland, he turned down Star Wars to do Tomorrowland. Thus handing, and it's also like a weird connection of how he ended up getting to like, like how Colin Trevorrow ended up directing like Jurassic Park. Uh, it was all kind of this weird thing, but, um, but yeah, he he was originally tapped to direct Episode Seven, and he he wanted, I guess, the idea was to make it the same kind of structure, like the female protagonist, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I mean, he's he's had, he started off in animation, but transitioned into having this gigantic career. Because of the success out of those animated movies. I mean, that's kind of what we saw with another director who was supposed to direct Star Wars and kind of did, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Right. Oh, right. It's 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 the same thing. It's so similar because you kill it in animation. And then they're like, all right. I mean, these guys can make movies. And the same with Brad Bird. They they see the potential and they see the um, craft that he does with animated movies, right? Mm -hmm. Because people assume animated directors should you know stay in their lane or have to stay in their lane or mm-hmm. or that transition is a little too tough i've i've heard that quite a bit i don't know if you've heard that at all but mm-hmm. it's it's a very interesting world especially in hollywood too mm-hmm. because people are making these animated movies that are directed towards children so you want to tackle something a little bit more serious or like a pg-13 or an r-rated movie people are extremely skeptical when when you hear about that cuz it's like wait this the guy who did those movies you can't possibly do this serious movie, but he's, yeah. he's he's done it, and he's proven it. And, you know, I think part of what makes Brad Bird stand out as an animation director is that he has a very cinematic style when it comes to um, directing animation, right? Like, when you look at all of his animated films, they're all, like, widescreen. They're all very, you know, have these very, like, glamorous camera shots, very realistic, you know, you know uh, 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 details and all that kind of stuff. So, um for him, I'm sure, you know, putting that much attention into detail for the animation can translate onto film. Uh, and I think that really works out, especially, you know, I, I read I read that book. I, I mentioned it a lot on the show, Creativity, Inc., for the Pixar, uh, you know, for the Pixar, uh, written by Pixar's uh, Ed Muntram. And he talks about how Brad Bird, as an artist and as a director and as an auteur, um, he, he hand-selects every single... You know, a lot of times animation directors just kind of give notes and let the animators go wild with it. But for him, he's very much involved in the process and very hands-on. And, you know, with all the Pixar movies, of course, they dive very deep into the story before they even think about, you know, touching any any computers, any animation. They dive very deep and make sure that story's locked down. So he's involved the animation all the way up into that point from the very beginning as well so yeah i mean talent is talent man yeah. right i mean that's the, that's the biggest thing you learn when you when you come to hollywood especially when it comes to directors and the kind of directors that studios are are picking right i mean it, you'll hear negative and positive stories when it comes to um up and coming directors who only directed a movie or two and then they get picked up for spider-man homecoming tom watts right that's his yeah, name. john watts john yeah. watts and then tiny james gunn is another one like, colin trevorrow colin trevorrow i mean yeah. they're they're popping out like crazy and and the 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 thing that the studio says when they say why would you pick him and they always kind of said what i just said talent is talent mm-hmm. we saw the movie we liked the movie and we think this is a talented director who can take our franchise and make it a great movie 
Now, bad things can happen, like X-Men Origins Wolverine. Yeah, Which yeah. is another case of that. They get bullied or, jo- or get Josh bullied. Trank. Josh Trank is another perfect example of that, yeah. where, where they're like, oh, let's make this movie. I pitched it. And then they just get bullied into making it. Uh, David Fincher was another example. For of Alien that. 3. For yeah. Alien 3. Remember that? Because mm-hmm. I, I saw the... We, saw, we both saw that. Mm-hmm. And uh, he talked about how he's like, no, guys, this is what... This is what I pitched to you guys. I wrote this. You read my script, and now you're saying you you said yes, and now you're saying no in the middle of production. Mm-hmm. That happens a lot, and it happens more with directors who are up and coming people that they selected. Because sometimes they do just want to have someone just point camera, and then we'll do everything else. Right, right, um, right. So that's something that that has been a negative in Hollywood. But we've seen more. I've I, I feel like that was. A couple of years ago, I feel like we're seeing more positive results of that. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. for the most part, the director gets all the credit. Taika Waititi, right. James Gunn, is an, uh, I just said it before. Right. Ryan Coogler kind of stepped up, yeah. That we see examples that work. Mm-hmm. And when they work, they get credit for it. Mm-hmm. Which is, is, they don't say, Marvel did it again. They say, you know, Ryan Coogler killed it. Yeah. You know, Taika Waititi is talented. Like, that's the kind of stuff people I'm say. I'm telling you, when, when, I was at, when I was at the premiere, before, when I was at the premiere for Black Panther, before yeah. the movie even started, bro... Before the movie even started, they were just like, director Ryan Coogler, literally the entire theater, like, stood up and started clapping for this dude. Like, That's crazy. It was crazy. Like, we hadn't even seen the movie yet. <laughs> it's like, what if this sucks? Yeah. <laughs> dude gets a standing ovation, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, but it was worth it, you know, in yeah. the end. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, but you're right. When when uh, when it's able to happen successfully, um, and it's a different time, obviously, than back in the day where you were like a Spielberg and kind of had to build up. To like doing bigger budget stuff, or your you know uh, other you know other directors had to sure. kind of build their way up. Um, but I, I mean, also too, movies back then were just a lot cheaper to make. So like, yeah. even though it was kind of an indie film for Lucas doing American Graffiti, then going to something big like Star Wars. Star Wars wasn't that big. Like the budget for that was relatively small. My, for... Yeah, my favorite thing is when uh, I saw the Carrie Fisher documentary on HBO, uh-huh. and my favorite thing is like she was like, I thought it was a B movie. Yeah, I thought it was like you know, like a B movie is like Sharknado. Right. I thought it was that, and I was like, really? That's what you thought of Star Wars? Yeah. So she went to the premiere like super embarrassed to be in it. Mm-hmm. Um, she tells a story, and it's great because you kind of see like they were they were just like having fun and being ridiculous and silly with silly guns and silly stormtroopers. And right. This this stuff is just weird. Mm-hmm. That's what they thought while acting in the movie. Yeah. Um, and it turned out to be the greatest you know hit ever mm-hmm. but i just think it's funny right because that's that that's the kind of thing as far as like making these movies it wasn't such a big deal mm-hmm. when they were making it they were just mm-hmm. like whatever it's just a crazy sci-fi movie right but when it came out they're like yo star wars is huge not not really it wasn't like during production it wasn't really a big movie mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's what you just right, said right exactly now. <laughs> no i mean exactly and, and i mean that's the biggest and that's the biggest part of it too um when directors have like full autonomy over what they're given, I mean, because you know, when you talk, we I was listening to Ryan Coogler talk about Black Panther. He's pretty much just working on it, you know, on his own. We're getting, you know, some some words with Kevin Feige and and all the people who work there uh, at yeah. Marvel, just kind of getting some, you know, advice. But then, like, it was still mainly his like vision, you know. And, and he said that very clearly. Yeah, and same thing like, with Taika Waititi too. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Because he talked about um, in some interviews, he talked about the script, mm. and he's like, no, no, this was me. Like, this was my idea. I wanted to see like. What, is it, what does it mean to be African and all this like all these themes that he put into the movie are Ryan Coogler right and and you see interviews with Feige who says yeah we let him do our whole thing like his own thing basically right which is very brave and and sometimes that backfires um, Ava DuVernay is another example oh yeah yeah, um, yeah, yeah. with Wrinkle in Time Wrinkle in Time yeah. a, a movie that we both 
I forgot your opinion on this movie. Nah, we, I think we both didn't like it. Okay, I was going to say, I wasn't sure if you're like, dude, you remember? I loved it. And I was like, did you love it? I don't remember. Um, but that's another example where a lot of people, a lot of people on Ava's Corner was like, oh, it, was, it wasn't even her. It was the studio. It was the studio. It was, this wasn't even her thing. This, and, then she, and she was like, no, it was me. Mm-hmm. It was all me. This was my creative vision coming up to screen. So if you didn't like it, then you didn't like what I said. Because a lot of people, I don't know if you remember that, were like, oh, it's the studio putting their hands in the movie and telling her what to do and not letting her be involved. And it's it's because it was a first $100 million project for, for a woman, right? Yeah, a black or a first $100 million live action project for a woman of color, yeah. Yeah, and, and that a lot of people were like defending her like crazy because it was getting a lot of negative results. Mm-hmm. And then she had to step up and be like, no, that was my vision. Disney let me do what I wanted. They right. didn't, like, overlord me, basically. Right. I mean, Disney's good with that. I mean, you know, like with Incredibles, for example, right? Yeah. Incredible. I mean, we're going to talk about Incredibles a little sure. later. But that that is the first Pixar movie that was not, which was written and directed by somebody who's not in-house, right? Who wasn't one of the original, who wasn't one of John Lasseter or, you know, one of the uh, OG, like, founders. He kind of came into Pixar and you know he worked on some of the previous films and gave consulting and advice and then um, and you know wrote and, and all that stuff. But then he eventually built his way up to not I guess not built his way up, but he uh, he 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 created the Incredibles all by himself. You watch you look at most Pixar movies, it's usually like twelve writers involved. With Incredibles is the first time it's just one writer, one director. Yeah, and it's the first time that uh, it's the first time that you you really understand that the pixar animators are you know they they animate they animate as artists but then it's also a collaboration with the directors you know it's more than just the cgi like you know overcoming the cgi barrier is 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 actual authorship being put into these movies sure so that's yeah that's a very important fact um he got his start doing animation basically right um amazing stories is his first imdb credit in 1987 yeah i'm not familiar with that unfortunately. Um, yeah me neither um let's move on to bart simpson he divided uh, a short um called do the bartman which is a <laughs> well, simpsons spinoff simpsons of spinoff which got him eventually to do some episodes mm-hmm. of the simpsons in 1991 and 1990 um he did like father like clown and he did crusty gets busted so if anyone's a giant Simpsons fan, which I'm not, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a I'm a I'm a pretty decent fan. Those are both episodes that um, concern Krusty, and I think one of them is the with the serial killer uh, played by um, Kelsey Graham. I can't remember the, the yeah. guy's name, but, um, but yeah, he and, and you know he he was he did a lot of animation work for the Simpsons. And I think he did stuff for. Um, I don't know if it's credited or unaccredited for animation work for like King of the Hill and all these other like shows. Um, so he ha- he has a he has a foot in in the animation sphere. Uh, sure. From the yeah, very I'm, I'm, I'm reading. I'm only reading his director credits. Right, but that, I mean that's the same thing with. Uh, but that's the same thing we see with 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 the uh, with the other animation uh, directors that we cover, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Right, that's they the started off in t- television. Yep. And then um, eventually made uh, a film that you know made their own anime, got to pitch and make their own anime film to to uh, any you know to to uh, to a studio. So yeah, and it's it's really it, it really hits the nail on the head with comedy. Yeah, I really feel like comedy is is one of those things that we see it now more and more. Is if you if you kill it, then you you people see that talent and they're like, man, that was funny. Mm-hmm. Like especially with animated, right? Mm-hmm. Because if if I'm a if I'm a child, I just don't care. 
But if I'm an adult, the, the thing that draws me into animation, animated movies, is the comedy, is the humor. I don't know if it's the same for you. I mean, yeah. the story and all that. But for right. me, it's like I enjoy a movie more and I know I'm watching a kid's movie, kid's movie, if they have jokes that I can get and that they don't get, right? That's Aladdin. That's all these Herculeses, which I love. Like all these movies that have really funny moments that I understand and that maybe the kids, are, when, I, when, I, when I saw it, it I didn't really get. Right, and that's the kind of stuff that obviously The Simpsons, right? Because mm-hmm. The Simpsons is animated, directed towards adults, kind of. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and when he gets his first start, his first feature animated film was The Iron Giant. Yeah, and The Iron Giant is a perfect example of a fusion of a story that can work incredibly well with children, mm-hmm. but also adults can understand and captivate it, and 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 you know take in what he's trying to say in this movie. Um, what is your First experience with Iron Giant, Mr. RB3. Iron Giant, I remember watching like very young um, on TV. I think they used to show it on C. Back then they used to call it WB, now they call it CW. 1999. 1999, yeah. So I wasn't, I mean, I didn't see it in theaters, of course. Of course, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's 1999, I was bored, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it, RB3. We get it. <laughs> You're two, young. It's two years old. Two years old. Um, but no, uh, but yeah, the, the Iron Giant, man, that's one of the best animated films i mean i remember watching it as a kid and like loving it back then yeah and is you know you're right it, it lands like on a certain level of like simplicity to where um children have a very easy time like understanding what it's about and you know the themes behind it but it also has an extra added layer of complexity for adults um you know this movie is very heavily about militarization about you know uh uh you know about weaponry and and the presence of weapons and the usage of weapons and how you know how the Iron Giant is something that is a essentially a giant a giant weapon a giant gun a giant you know destroying robot but still can have a heart w- within itself and you know what is it what is it like for the tool not to be the tool anymore and to be its own functioning being so um, it's a very prominent film for it has a very prominent themes for an animated film to appeal to adults while also having. Um, a layer of of simplicity for the kids too. Sure, so. and a, and, a, and a protagonist mainly that kids can kind of gravitate towards and be like, "That's me," right? Kind of thing. Right. I mean, I I feel that personally um, when I saw the movie, mm-hmm. which was a while ago. But um, but it's one of those things too. Like, let's talk a little bit more about those themes, which is a very, I mean, I guess it's still bold, and it was probably very bold back in 1999, but a very politi- political and politicized storyline. Can, what do you what do you think of the storyline right mainly with with the two sides that we get right I mean it takes place in 1957 so mm-hmm. um, it takes place in the height of like the the, the, the uh, Russian scare the red scare uh, the fear of like nuclear invasion so like this foreign being kind of landing and crash landing and representing a giant weapon is really a metaphor I, I believe of like the atomic you know the atomic error you know as they used to call it like the nuclear um, the the fear of nuclear annihilation and how a gigantic weapon could just take out people without any control. And I feel like that's what the Iron Giant represented in this. Um, but yeah, it's very, you know, it's particularly for for a kid's film, for an animated film, um, it's, it definitely addresses a lot of, it definitely addresses a lot of the perspective of the government, right? Like how they just kind of see it as, oh, you know, we, we have to we have to kill this thing because we have no idea what it is. While on, um, well, from the kid's perspective and from the Iron Giant himself's perspective, he's actually building as his own, you know, kind of person, his own character, um, and you know that's also could be 
something said about the whole evolution of like AI, artificial intelligence, and how they could develop into their own kind of people too. But I mean, but what do you think, Ace? Like when you when you like look at this movie, like yeah, I mean that's that you you were gonna say what I was gonna say. I mean Westworld. Look at Westworld now. Westworld. Look at Ghost in the Shell. Still not caught up on Westworld. Ghost in the Shell. The whole point of that movie and series was especially serious if you guys are a fan of standalone conflicts like I am which is one of my favorite if not my favorite anime of all time is literally like are are these artificially intelligent cyborgs are they human like mm-hmm. are they people do they have souls that's why it's called ghosts in the shell mm-hmm. because it's literally talking about what is a soul and if these people have consciousness if they have you know feelings and they have the same for anyone who's a Westworld fan like I watch Westworld religiously if they have drives and if they have um, programmed humans have programs too. We have drives too. We 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 are pretty much the same, uh-huh. and it's finding that um, basically ghost in the shell, right? It's right. finding that soul in our consciousness, uh-huh. um, and if they're conscious enough, are we are we killing people? Are we killing conscious beings? Have they become mm. beings now? That right. we were were so aggressive towards because we see them as machines, right? Um, and that, yeah, that, that's the whole point of the movie, right? I right. mean, for for me personally, at least with Vin Diesel uh, playing playing the Iron Giant, which he does a great job, yeah. and obviously as a massive, he's literally on my keychain, and we talked about him when we did the Batman episode. But as a massive Superman fan too, mm. when he sees those symbols that 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 inspire. It's it's he's inspired as well, and mm-hmm. it's that 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 symbolism of what it what it represents to, to to help and what it represents to sacrifice, and that's pretty much the whole purpose of Superman. And it's also the immigrant story, kind of like mm-hmm. where he's coming from, right? Because right. that's where Superman is literally just about an immigrant coming into this world, and helping the world that kind of rejects him, right? Right. So so it's that kind of like. Uh, mentality of like this is the person who inspires me as well and obviously they don't really get into that all the way but this that's kind of how i read into it as far Mm -hmm. as like um he can find inspiration in someone that's similar to him yeah yeah no and and i think i I mean i think that's that's totally that's perfectly what what encompasses like a lot of like that blind like ideological um, optimism that is represented in Superman and, and represented in the Iron Giant in and of himself, like, or at least what the kid's trying to install in them, right? And, um, you know, it, it, it takes, you know, and I find very interesting that the animation style, to me personally, kind of takes a lot from, like, a comic book kind of, you know, um, stylings. You know, it, it, to me, when I watched this movie, I noticed a lot when I rewatched it, they do a lot of, like, camera moves where it'll go, like, up, then down, then back or something like that. And it feels very much like a panel, right? Like, or a triangle kind of kind of shape. And I think that's you know, very interesting when it comes to Brad Bird's directing style, like I said, make it very, very cinematic. Um, when we're talking about the Iron Giant, though, the most recent portrayal of it came in the Ready Player One. That's uh, right. Where, <laughs> that's right. Where we yeah. see, where we actually... Uh, where you know, I, I, there are some people who kind of don't like the idea of the Iron Giant being like this, being shown used in this movie as like the giant weaponized thing, um, where it kind of contradicts the message of the film itself. Uh, do you have? I know. We- I, I was literally about to say. That. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say he he. I was the Iron Giant's in the movie, and I was gonna say yeah, he literally didn't do anything except like destroy shit. <laughs> right, right, right. I was I was that's that was gonna be my response because yeah, he kind of just was. A weapon. He wasn't a character within itself. I mean, obviously, he was supposed to represent the friendship that um, I forget the people's names in the movies, um, but he, his friend, yeah, and the other friend represented um, um, H and uh, H and main character Parsival. 
Possible. Um, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. But when we saw when we saw the trailer, which was I believe Comic Con last mm, year, Comic-Con, when we were there, yeah, what we up? There. Um, we both kind of thought it was a very precarious decision to put the Iron Giant in there instead of other nostalgic stuff that they were going for. Right. But everyone, at least the people who saw the trailer, were like, Iron Giant, yo! And I was like, all right. right. <laughs> Y'all are hyped for the Iron Giant? All right, cool. Right. Um, it just felt like a bizarre, you know, reference that they were making right. in the movie. You know, we, we do have that whole eight-minute review of you ranting. Uh, oh, against... dude, don't release that. <laughs> <laughs> I talked about Ready Player One because I got a lot of feedback on Twitter when I said I didn't like the movie and I thought it was a very irresponsible movie. Um, and I have a lot of... I, I have reasons for it. Unfortunately, it the cameras are rolling for that? No, do not release that. I'm telling you. <laughs> I've had enough of people on Twitter. And I, and I didn't... I mean, Twitter, guys, it, literally, you can only say few words. I'm not going to explain every minutiae detail of what they're really trying to say or what they're expressing in this movie. So if I say I didn't like it and I name a few reasons, don't assume. Like, a lot of people were like... You didn't like it because it was unrealistic? Oh, it's a video game. And I'm like, no, the video game was realistic as hell. And I love everything outside of the video game. I was like, what am I watching? Mm-hmm. But I love the, like, the video game aspects of Ready Player One are so cool. Mm-hmm. They're awesome. The race scene was dope. The freaking shining scene was awesome. The shining like, scene I, was my favorite I part. thoroughly enjoyed those scenes. And then everything outside, I was like... Kill me. <laughs> but let's not get into that. But yeah, yeah. I, I really do feel like bringing in the Iron Giant was very much a bold choice. And Spielberg chose to do that. Too. You know, I think it's interesting, too, that it was a Spielberg, you know, abusing Iron Giant. Because I feel like the Iron Giant is also very inspired by, like, the Spielberg kind of movies, right? Particularly with the music. The music was done, I think, by, I don't know if it was John Williams or, or I think it was uh, Michael Giacchino who... Shout out to Giacchino, man. That guy does everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it feels very much like the operatic kind of old school Spielberg movie. So it's kind of nice seeing Spielberg kind of take what, you know, kind of, you know, what he, what, you know, kind of the model that he instituted in, in, in the kind of way. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, absolutely. And that, yeah. that plays a huge part in the movie, too, is like the, the emotions you want to feel based on the music that's being played, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, that's the whole emotions being played throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still looking for the, um, Music by Michael Kamen. Michael Kamen. My apologies, Michael Kamen. Not um, Michael Giacchino. Michael Kamen. Look at this guy. Fantastic score with the... Look at that IMDb picture, man. This guy is hype. <laughs> this guy is clutch. This guy is, this guy is on the edge, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, the music plays a huge part in this movie, too. It's, it, when it's expressing emotions. Because it's the best way, especially when a kid's movie, mm-hmm. it's the best way to, ex- uh, to communicate to children how you're supposed to feel. I right. feel. Um, and to everyone, considering that. But yeah, it's an interesting movie. And what do you feel like overall this this especially with the conclusion of the movie, what do you feel like they're the Brad Bird specifically was trying to say? Um, I just I, I feel like the overall theme of this is, you know, getting to understand what's the un, was unexplainable or what you don't understand initially. And, you know, for some reason governments and institutions and, and you know, all of these authoritative figures don't look upon the understanding that's necessary. And I always feel like that would, you know, if, you know, 
like when when it comes to invasion movies, that's always the first reaction, right? We have to attack, attack, attack. That's what the government's first reaction was when they realized they had this thing on their hands, right? But when you understand that there's more to something than just being a, a tool or being violent or being a weapon, and when you're not on edge, when you're able to communicate to, when you're able to find a method of communication to uh, to somebody that somebody or something that you don't understand, there will always be an understanding. I think that's what the I think that's what the whole relationship between the kid and the and and the Iron Giant representative of himself sure. and how that lack of understanding reflects the kind the the gut you know what the government especially particularly I think choosing that time period was no accident particularly the events that were happening in the United States during that time yeah. is not you know is is you know outside of the military right there was still nineteen. 19- 58 was very much a time of like what you know of of segregation of all of these things that was you know people look on back on it as a nostalgic period but really it's, it's a lot of divide within it of itself too so i feel like the understanding is a, is a big part of that yeah absolutely yeah. that's great uh let's move on to uh what we're doing is the incredibles yeah that's what we're doing this episode Incredibles 2 coming out the incredibles 2 this coming week out. i'm super excited this for movie it. came out in 2004, 2004. mr rb3 yeah and with that, I ask you, were you alive in 2004? <laughs> Fortunately, I was alive in 2004, everybody. I yeah. was born. I actually very distinctly remember seeing this movie in theaters. I was about to ask you that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This was very this is very much one I remember seeing in theaters. And this were you was, like five? I was like, yeah, I was like seven. Seven. Yeah, I was seven. Shit, yeah, yeah. Man. That's, crazy. <laughs> That's ridiculous. This is the true definition of a kid's movie. You know, you know, you know what? Um, I, and I, I, this is off topic, but I'm going to say it anyways. So <laughs> the guy from we were talking about Hereditary, dude, his name is Alex Wolf, I think. Yeah, he's your age. Oh, yeah. I looked it up. He looks like he's my age. <laughs> but then I was like. 1997 what the frick this guy's a child yeah and he's playing a child in the movie which is i always find it funny because they're usually like 30 year olds yeah he's like i'm 17 but he's like 30 uh, and he was like i'm 17 but he's actually like 20 21 yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i'm like shit that's and he crazy was in, he was uh in the schmodown uh recently that's right yeah. yeah shout out to alex man uh yeah. obviously i've never met him but we we oh no you weren't there yeah. my bad uh. um <laughs> i saw him i he I, he was right next to me in the death note premiere um, oh, with his brother. Uh, they're super close too. Um, Nate, Nate, I think Nate, Nate Wolf. Wolf. Um, Nate Wolf was in it, right? Nate Wolf was in it, and his brother was like right next to me. Um, <laughs> so I got to see him there. And then that should have uh, been my seat. God damn it! <laughs> sorry, man. I tried my hardest to get you in, bro. But it's okay because you love that movie, RB3. Oh, uh, oof. You love it. It's mm. actually probably the worst movie I've ever seen. In my, in my, Ooh, in that's bad. some harsh words, bro. Harsh uh. words. And I, I, I personally like didn't cater towards it like yeah. i didn't like it i gave it a negative review but people were like f you how come you didn't say it's the worst movie you're not a real anime fan and i was like there's some good things in it um because yeah emma was like emma hated it emma hated it yeah emma yeah. and i were going back i was like yeah this is tough but uh yeah anyways shout out to children out there like yeah. rb3 Cause he's a child <laughs> even though he's, he's about to about to turn 21 turn 21 man 21 21. 21. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, back to The Incredibles. I was literally seven years old, so now I'm about to be 21 when I see this movie. Literally three times my age. Holy shit. That's wild. Why does it take so long to make a sequel? Why did it take so long? And I, I, I talked about this on Movie Talk the one time I was on. And and uh, I said it. I was like, is this like a 
is, can this be a beneficial thing? Is it yeah. possible? Look at Finding Dory. Yeah. Finding Dory, it's not as long, but it's similar. It's similar as far as like, mm-hmm. it's a very long time. It's mm-hmm. not like the usual two year, two year right. comes out a sequel. Two year, no, this was like, I forgot how, how far Finding, Finding Dory was, but like you just said, this is ridiculous. And does that help? Does mm-hmm. that help the box office? Because the people like you who are nostalgic about the first one, and then children, yeah, new children, yeah, combine those two, and it's like tons of money. Mm-hmm. Disney is genius for waiting this long. Waiting this long, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, if are they? Un- I don't know if it was intentional. Or... I don't know. I mean, because the point, same I'm thing, like, with, same thing with Monsters Inc. too. It was Monsters, and yep. then like, what was it? Twelve years later, Monsters yeah. University, and Finding Dory too. Like Finding mm-hmm. Dory, it took a while. I mean, it wasn't as Toy long Story as... Three. Took Toy Story. <laughs> Toy Story Three is a perfect example yeah. of this. It's like I grew up with Toy Story. Like that was my animated movie back in like '96, '97. Like, that was me. And then Toy Story 3 comes out, and I'm, like, you know, older. And I'm, like, man, I want to watch this movie. And then yeah. it makes a ton of money, and people love it. So, wait hey, a man. minute, Ace. I think we've cracked something. <laughs> so, Toy Story 2 came out in 1999. Toy mm-hmm. Story 3 came out in 2010. 11-year difference. Mm-hmm. Monsters, Inc. came out in 2001. Um, Monsters, University, 2013. 12-year difference. Finding Dory, 2003. Finding, I'm sorry, Finding Nemo, 2003, Finding Dory, 2016, 13 years, Incredibles, Incredibles 2, 14 years. And all the tracking is like, this movie is going to make money, right. like buckets. Right. Is that, an, I, I literally said this, I pitched that to, to, the, to the people, I said, is this a, an actual strategy? Mm. Can it be a, a box office strategy? Just pushing it back a year and year each. Because it's working, man. I mean, it's working, right? <laughs> yeah. Look at the movies you just named; those made money. Yeah. So and I don't know. So that's my that's the na- that's the new game, people. We gotta predict the next yeah. Pixar sequel will be fifteen years <laughs> off uh, <laughs> from the original. Because think about it, man. Everyone's like, "Why don't they make it?" I'm still, come on, make another one, make another mm. one, and then like. 13 years passes by and they're like we want to watch it so bad yeah, yeah. hey man you get people desperate enough you drown them in without any water and then they get real thirsty mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. like oh please give me the movie now yeah so, <laughs> now i have kids <laughs> <laughs> anyways the incredibles. incredibles uh what was your thoughts as a child watching this movie Dude, i love this even movie. more child than you are even now. more of a child than i am now yeah about to be 21 now hey man yeah child children <laughs> Jesus, so 21 20, so 21 is gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna make it i'm gonna take my first sip of alcohol on mm, the show next no week, next, week. <laughs> next week next week next week that's hysterical because i don't even <laughs> you don't even drink i, I don't drink yeah. <laughs> so don't drink so i hey, just think it's funny how I'm 21 ready. Oh. i'm ready to get ready you know what i mean when i turned 21 rb3 i sat by myself and watched the movie that's what i did <laughs> um, and you have to do the same I'd otherwise the same. you're not allowed yeah man uh, that's that's how it goes but Incredi- but you love this movie as I, a kid. I loved Incredibles, and I think yeah. this is probably the thing that set me on the pathway of like loving superhero, just stuff in general. Sure, um, because it was so it was so like fun and lively. It, you know, for for a kid, a lot of Pixar movies can get kind of drowned in the like message, like particularly towards the end. I remember when I was watching uh, when I was a kid and watching. I think it was like Bugs Life, and I remember distinctly like the point where it stopped being a movie and started being a message. You know, sure. <laughs> as a child, I, I kind of detected that. You know, okay. but uh, for me, Incredibles, it was both like throughout the entire time. You know, um, and again, that's Brad Brad Bird just being like the genius that he is, able to weave in a consistent through line, a consistent message, and 
um, a consistent theme of marriage and, and, and the troubles of family within this grandiose superhero adventure and somehow make those two um, relate in, in a very in a very creative way. So, like, um, I definitely loved this movie as a kid, and as, as an adult, I love it even more. I was going to ask that. Rewatching it, what do you, what do you take out of it more? Um, well, as, as, as an adult, I mean, you, you definitely start to understand each character, each character and how their power is like a representation of what each character is feeling, right? Like, you know, um, you know, Mr. Incredible is like this strong, buff man that has nothing much else to him. You know, that's his physique is what carries him through. Elastigirl is like literally, you know, straining yourself, stretching yourself out. Um, you know, providing for everybody, right? Being being the the womanly figures, particularly. I mean, this film is another thing that takes place in like the 1950s as well. Mm, I was um, gonna say womanly figure. Yeah, no, 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 <laughs> figure. Yeah, oh, she's thick with two C's. Thick. Uh, yeah, and then obviously, uh, and then invisible and, girl. Invis- yeah, or uh, Violet. Violet. Uh, yeah, and she her, her whole insecurities, right? Not not wanting to be seen, and not yeah. you know wanting to protect herself, wanting to shield herself off, and of course Jack Jack. Being the fast, you know, being a kid, being growing up, like wanting to move fast, wanting to be everywhere, wanting to be, you know, so eat. So as an adult, I pick up on those things a lot more and I'm like, damn, that's that's really cold. You know what I mean? Like uh, because like as a kid, you don't realize that. But as you grow up, you start to understand each character just a little bit more. I feel like if you watch it as a four, if I'm probably like 20, 30 years from now, I'm going to watch it again and somehow find something new with Bob and, and Helen and, and stuff like That's that, too. That's a good too. point, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's just something that relates to, like, everybody and, and all all ages and all families, but it has something to say for everybody, too. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Those yeah. are definitely themes in there. I also, I'm, I'm specific, specifically the villain, too. Oh, yeah. I want to talk about him a little bit more mm-hmm. um, and how bitterness can be... Uh, kind of lead to villainy right because mm-hmm. that's that's essentially what it was as far as his his rejection that he felt mm-hmm. leads to and his bitterness that he felt throughout the rejection and throughout his the rest of his life um leads to him literally making it his own vendetta to to take it to him after being rejected i literally kill all superheroes yeah. because he can be one because he's yeah and, and it's that rejection that he feels mm-hmm. okay, is like the instigation that he feels to do what he does which is evil right. um so what do you feel about that as far as like especially nowadays that's what we see right. a lot of i mean too. we see a lot of people who feel like they need to be vindicated and feel like they need to have you know stand on some sort of you know rooftop and have their you know message or whatever um and and you know for him trying to adopt the superhero mentality something that he's not um you know very re- really speaks to how much we idolize our heroes and how much we want to be our heroes and coming and not being able to come to the grips of understanding that our heroes are, are people too. They have flaws too. You know, Mr. Incredible is not a perfect dude. He's not going to treat, you know, this random kid that he met like that night, you know, when they show the flashback. Uh, he's not just going to automatically think, oh, I should treat everybody good. I mean, he's a hero. I mean, he for him, he's probably the most egotistical guy, you know, whatever, you know what I mean? So he probably has the biggest ego in the world. So he's not going to talk to some kid, and that, that's sure. going to scar somebody. Yeah, I mean, I, obviously this is a stretch. Uh, get it? Um, oh. But at, uh, what's his face? Paperboy, Atlanta. Yeah. The, the kind of idea of, like, you know, if someone comes up to me, I'm like, oh, come on, dude. I, I'm a person, too. Like, I just want yeah. to live my own life. Mm-hmm. And But at the same time, it's like, all right, let's do it. You know, I have to be the persona. I have to be Paperboy mm-hmm. in front of everyone else. And, and it's it's him realizing the, the duality between having a, a, a face and having, you know, being yourself mm-hmm. at the same time, which is 
the most real thing you can ever hear on this podcast when it comes to living in LA. Because mm. you find out real quick. I'm like, that's yeah. not a real person. Okay, cool. I guess Twitter's not real. Because um, you see people, even people who are not even famous, especially yeah. people who are not famous, mm-hmm. you see like, damn, that's not what I expected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, because they want to succeed. So they put right. on a persona. They put on a face. Um, but yeah, I just thought of Paperboy, how he, he realized, he's like, dude, leave me alone. I just want to live my life, man. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how what Mr. Incredible was, too. And obviously, his ego enforces that even more. Right. But at the same time, you know, it can kind of get annoying mm-hmm. hearing so many people be like, Mr. Incredible. I'm like, oh, I get it. I get it, man. I just want to chill, fam. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of his reaction. And it turns out to be, you know, the, the spark that started his villain, basically. So Right, right. And he's, I mean, he's, and... Of course, I mean, to me, I always relate it back to, well, I don't relate it back. I think Iron Man 3 kind of stole the whole idea of, uh, of that whole plot twist, right? Of like the, the guy who wants to be him, but then ultimately turns against him and stuff. Oh my God, that's so true. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but it's just funny. I mean, that's that's how I, that's what I related to too. But, you know, definitely syndrome represents like the, you know, of course, you know, when you're talking about like celebrity too, right? A lot of celebrities have to deal with people like that in like the real world. Stalkers, you know, people who are obsessed, you know what I mean? Like, and, it, and it, yeah, I mean, it, it, you. You don't want to feel bad for a celebrity because you're a celebrity, but at the same time, you're like, I kind of feel bad for that celebrity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we see the whole thing with um, with Kelly Marie Tran mm. this week. I mean, yeah. she had to delete her Instagram because people were just like fucking with her too much. D- yeah, um, and sometimes it can be too much. I mean, mm. the same thing. I, I keep going back to this because I miss her so mad, so bad. Uh, Daisy Ridley. Same thing happened with mm. Daisy. I mean, she she put like. Um, one thing that people didn't agree with on her Twitter and she got ripped apart and I remember because I was her most devote follower <laughs> and I'm not lying about that I would talk about her Instagram all the time and I'd like, I'm like mom look what Daisy posted like isn't she great like that was me um, so when she left Twitter it broke my heart I mean Instagram it broke my heart but yeah same thing Yeah, same right, thing it's right. just too much mm-hmm. just a little too much mm-hmm. and, and especially for a female woman Right. Um, I feel like it's way worse, mm-hmm. way worse. And I've seen people's comments, people that I know that are, you know, in the industry and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, they show me the comments and I was like, yo, that's too much. Mm-hmm. Like I mm-hmm. would probably be off Instagram too. Right, right, right. Yeah. And then, you know, of course, this movie kind of deals with, you know, the whole idea of femininity to, to a certain extent, right? Sure. When, it, when you're talking early on in the film, you know, uh, Elastigirl has that whole interview where she's talking about, oh, should I leave all the superheroing to the men? You know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, and then I think in Incredibles 2, they're going to explore that a lot more just sure. based on the way it looks in the trailers. But I like the fact that Incredibles 1 is kind of the about the destruction of the patriarchy and how when you take away, you know, the, the main source of providing, you know, for for this dude, for, for Mr. Incredible, um, he kind of loses his purpose, right? He kind of dives into like this midlife crisis of just hating everything. Um, and has to go back and rekindle his youth to, to, to find his way back to who he was before, um, which sure. I think is super fascinating. Yeah, what do you think about the 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 whole government aspect of this movie and making heroism okay and kind of stuff? It's funny because I'm, I'm religious about My Hero Academia. Like, mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with My Hero Academia, so it's so similar, man. I'm really? telling you, it's so okay. similar. I've been trying, I've been um, wanting to catch up on it's the same it's almost the same thing okay. <laughs> where it's like the heroes have a community and then yeah. they have superpowers and it's 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 interesting boys but um i just spoke in spanish yeah. um but my thing is is what do you think they're going for as far as 
I mean, living in this society, this fake society, what would it be like kind mm-hmm, of thing? Mm-hmm. So what do you think of that as far as the... Right. I mean, that's, I mean, you know, and I think that's important because, you know, when a lot of people think of this film, they think of it as like kind of inspired by Fantastic Four because of the whole family element. But I thought of it kind of like a Watchmen influence too, right? Because when you, the whole conversation is who watches the Watchmen, who watches, who watches these superhero characters and wh- up to what point is superheroing a duty? And I think that's an incredible first like mission that they have not mission but the first thing you see in this movie is Mr. Fantastic saving somebody or Mr. Fantastic (laughs) Mr. Incredible saving somebody from a suicide attempt and like that raises a very interesting moral question like if somebody chooses to take their own life who who is it for a superhero or for anybody to come in the way of that sure or if that should even be a choice to begin with uh, for that per- for the person who's do- for, for the person who's coming so, you know it's it's a very like touchy thing and that would I, I mean I think that would probably cause a, a big conversation for of like what what what's the role of a superhero in, sure. in society so it's mm-hmm. a very fascinating question and I it's mean, it, yeah I mean that's for me it's all star Superman that that scene in all star Superman mm-hmm. in that moment if you've read all star Superman mm-hmm. literally Superman does the same thing <laughs> right right <laughs> Superman right. does the exact same thing right. but yeah that's in, that's interesting right what, yeah. what makes you a hero as far as and also physical strength right 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 as far as like because well, he ended I up can, breaking the guy's arm exactly. like, he saved like, I can punch things and it's like well now help this guy and it's like like you said break the guy's arm it's like uh-huh. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> so that's interesting for sure. Um, so I thought I thought that's that's super that's super fascinating how they approach that subject matter, and how that chain of reactions ultimately ends up like dominoing into like just a um, complete like you know outlaw of of superheroes and how and how that prompts uh, like this new underbelly this new whole kind of thing where. If you want to be a superhero, you kind of have to end up breaking the law to save people, right? Like that yeah. scene where they break into the building to stop a f- or to save people from a fire, you know, like how that has to become like a criminal mission for them, you know? Yeah. Like, um, so I don't know. I just thought that was, you know, it's just crazy how that, that how that whole dynamic of like being the superhero but also not being viewed positively in the eye of the law kind of kind of works for these people. Sure. Um, yeah. I have one more question for you. Um, is this a superhero movie? Ah, uh, it's definitely a superhero. Movie. Definitely, I don't know. I think. I think you're not Josh McCuga. Yeah, I think. You know what? Shut up, yo! I'm gonna get it. I gotta tell you. I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, yeah. But I told you this off camera. But yeah. uh, I, we were at a uh, Riley's birthday. Shout out to Riley's birthday. Yeah. And Josh McCuga, I saw Josh, and I, I saw him in the bathroom, and he was like, "Yo," and he was talking something. But he told me he listened to the show. Hey. He's like, "Hey, hey I listened hey. to the Meaning of Podcast," and I'm like, "You listen to it? <laughs> <laughs> you must be the only one, because <laughs> no one listens to this." Yeah. But uh, yeah, so shout out to Josh McCuga. And yeah. now we're going to throw you under the bus, bro. Because um, you didn't say this was a superhero yeah. movie. You were like adamant. This is not a superhero movie. But yeah, I think it's a superhero, superhero movie. movie. But you know, it was interesting. And I was watching a video essay kind of talking about it. Uh, how um, how it's also kind of a spy film like in and of mm. itself too, right? Like with the with the crazy cars. Sure. The, the, the aesthetic of it kind of takes from like those old James Bond movies and stuff like that. And the music too, like I don't know, it's very much it's it's a it's a superhero spy film, but also a family film, but also a movie about marriage. Yep. And like you it's know, a lot. it's a lot. Like, yeah. <laughs> but it's very it's very clever. Um, and I I love how uh, I love how at the end where you know when we finally meet Jack Jack and we finally see his powers and how each power is kind of a 
a reflection of each person's like individual personality. Sure. How Jack Jack being a baby is just him going through a bunch of different like emotions and like sure. changing changing shapes and stuff. Yeah. Um, but then you know I, I just I just think that's so fascinating. But yeah, it, where whereas uh, whereas it's a superhero film in the sense that it deals with superheroes and deals with people um, who have superpowers is very much a film about uh, about consequences and about and about you know about family and and to me that that really got highlighted where they have that whole scene in in, in the movie where Mr. Um, Incredible is like in in the laboratory on the giant computer and he's seeing like all of his friends dying and it cro- and it and it uh, and it cross cuts that with um, the scene of like Helen like talking like looking on the tracker on on uh, on um, on his suit and like seeing that he's like somewhere else and it's like that whole question of is he cheating or not you know like and that's very it's like they're like circumstances they're like literally circumstances of like superheroes dying and it's also like matched with the whole idea of like your husband cheating and how those stakes are like equal you know what yeah, I mean like yeah. it's just so fascinating to me like how they built that whole storyline together sure um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just fantastic. Yeah, it's yeah. it's definitely a great movie, and it has a lot inside that movie, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also was a lot of people say it was inspired by Fantastic Four. I disagree. I think it was inspired by the great Disney Channel original movie, Up, Up and Away. Up Shout out to. Away. Up. <laughs> Did you see that movie? Yeah, I yeah. love that movie, bro. That, I've seen every single Disney Channel original movie, and I love them all. Um, <laughs> Yo, was was the was the Disney movie that was a. Uh, Sky High that came out after this. It came out after this. That's right. Yeah. Sky High. Yeah. <laughs> See, by the time Sky High came out, I was like, I'm not seeing that shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I remember Sky High. Yeah, but Sky you were 12. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. So, but Sky High was the shit though. Man. Yeah. That yeah, was but that that was up up and away too. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing, man. Yeah. Same superhero family. Type yeah. Deal. Superhero yeah. family getting powers, all mm-hmm. that. It's mm-hmm. the same thing, mm-hmm. man. Shout out to Up Up and Away, man. That was a that was a good movie. <laughs> um, let's move on to Ratatouille. Which is another movie that a lot of people love. This movie, another Pixar movie. Um, what do you think of this one overall? And do you remember watching this one, Mister RB Three, for the first time? Mm-hmm. I remember watching this one, two thousand seven. I was ten years old. Uh, <laughs> Every time, man, you're gonna get me mad. <laughs> I was in theaters. I actually saw this. This is actually the first movie I saw at the El Capitan Theater. As a kid, oh, I guess, yeah, we went some. I fucking I was at some summer camp and we went on a field trip there. It was kind of weird, um, but I love Ratatouille, man. I've always liked Ratatouille. Yeah. Um, it's, it's it's probably the most. I feel like that's the most adult film that Pixar's ever made. Ooh, interesting. Uh, Tell me why. Um, I don't know. I feel like it deals with very like adult themes, right? Or maybe not adult themes per se, but like themes yeah. that like you know like themes of like leave like you have to like leave the nest. You know what I mean? You have to like mm. break out. Of what you identify as and what your identity is, and just be your own person. You know, I feel like that's very adult and it's very complex to a certain extent, right? Like, what defines you from an identity perspective doesn't have to define you um, personally. You know, uh, just because you know he's a rat, just because Remy is that Remy is his name? I think so. I think Remy uh, Remy's the character. Yeah, the rat. Or, or is it a mouse or a rat? It's a rat. Um, it's a rat, yeah. Yeah. You don't have, to, like, rats don't have to eat the food. They can make the food. They can cook the food, you know? And it's, you know, I think it's very, that's a very strong message, I feel like, that that relays, like, wider than, you know, that's, yeah. that's a pretty, that's pretty big message, I feel like, for a kid's movie. Sure. So. And it's it's uh, voiced by Patton Oswalt. Patton Oswalt, Shout that's right. Shout out to Patton. Um, 
regular on Agents of Shield. Shout out to Agents of Shield again. Yeah, he's on Agents of Shield. Um, really? Yeah, he he's uh he was on a few episodes for Agents of Shield. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean that's a that's a great point. It's the whole concept of like be who you are kind of thing. Be mm-hmm. what you are instead mm-hmm. of not who you are, but be what you are, mm-hmm. and 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 going against that kind of thing and, mm-hmm. and accepting your interests, but also accepting your talent mm-hmm. right because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. what if he sucked <laughs> right 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 but he's right. not he's, he's amazing he's right? nice with it yeah yeah so it's like if he sucked they'd be like bro I'll go back to being a rat bro <laughs> right, right, right but it, the fact that he's great also kind of plays a hand into this movie considering that you know keep doing what you're doing because you're dope um and you love doing it mm-hmm. so i mean what do you think it says about that as well i mean i think that's a, that's a great point yeah yeah the talent you know, being an, I think it's really a statement towards being an artist too, right? Like mm-hmm. being an artist, exploring your creativity when necessary, when not necessarily the people around you want to do that. I mean, I remember for me personally, that was for me going into film, right? Because initially, my family wanted me to be like an engineering and math and science, all that kind of stuff. I don't know. Yeah, never, never I mean, to that. it's the same with me too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's the same with everyone. Who's yeah, I think I think a lot of people. I think that's a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but then you know, uh, but this movie is about overcoming that sure. and and defying that and and being and growing. Into your own talents and 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 finding yourself, um, and I think that's even pre- that's even more prominent when you take into consideration this movie from the perspective of the critic, right? The critic in this movie, and you know, some people say this really is a you know, movie about like criticism and stuff like that. Uh, Birdman, Bird, Birdman, yeah, I think Birdman of yeah. Pixar movies, right, right, right. No, yeah, um, but I just I just think yeah, I mean that's you know, and and when when you look at this movie from the perspective of the critic, right? It's like, oh, this this film is about trying to recapture your childhood and what makes you love what you love too. Uh, you know Nostalgia. Nostalgia. Exactly, mm. exactly. Which is what we're seeing now. And how, <laughs> how you have to kind of pander to nostalgia to make, you know, critics feel good and, mm. and stuff like that too. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily like the intent, but I think that's part I think that's part of it, right? Like I think for any critics, I think nostalgia aside, what really like makes things hit for people uh, are if they can relate to what makes them love what they love, you know? For the critic in this movie, when he takes a bite of Ratatouille, he's like, oh, this is first time since my childhood that I felt this way. Um, and, you know, I think for a lot of film, you know, for a lot of critics, for a lot of film critics, for example, per se, when they watch a certain movie and they say, oh, this movie reminds me of me when I was a child, it, I think that, 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 that holds a lot of water for people. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it, it makes them like I explained this during Infinity War when we talked about it, mm-hmm. it really is like what it makes you feel. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's that's part of the what I feel greatness of the movie, mm-hmm. and what I feel if you didn't enjoy the movie. I mean, because that's that's what what it is too. Mm-hmm. And, and I, to, to not acknowledge that is very it's very problematic. Right. I, mean, I I acknowledge that some of the reasons why I enjoy this movie, and most most critics do. I mean, I I heard a few. Reviews. I listened to the Ringer podcast, and I heard their reviews kind of talk about that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's an interesting perspective as far as saying this movie's about criticism right, uh, right, and critics right. and film criticism, in my opinion, because right. <laughs> that's what we're experiencing now. Um, yesterday, a report came out for Variety talking about what is the majority of film critics, um, and they said it's like eighty-eight percent old white guy. Really? Uh huh. Wow. And it's twenty-two percent female. Um, and then don't even get into WOC or POC, person of color, woman of color. Mm-hmm. It's like super low. Um, 
and that to me, uh, personally, I'm, I've talked about this a lot, but that's personally something that should not be the case. And they said that the movies themselves that they're talking about are more diverse than the people who criticize the movies. Wow. People who are film critics. That to me is incredibly powerful. It's on Variety if anyone wants to check it out. Um, but that that is so important because it's also about perspective, mm-hmm. right? What is your perspective going into this version of art? What is your perspective when it comes to trying out this this food, right? What, what if I didn't have the same way he grew up or didn't have the financial income to try this kind of food? Mm-hmm. Then you probably wouldn't try that kind of food, right? But what if I get someone who has the same talent um, but is much younger or, or a different race or comes from a different background? Mm-hmm. Background is so key when it comes to enjoying something that you love. Background is key. Whether it comes to food or film or art, that's, that's key because you might not enjoy art from a different perspective obviously know what it is you're talking about obviously Mm -hmm. don't just be like well i don't know who i am and and i don't know this art but i'm going to criticize it it's like no know it learn it but bring in a different perspective Mm -hmm. is always what i've felt because i feel like that's incredibly important Mm -hmm. um and that's my end of my rant for ratatouille (laughs) 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 but that's such a great scene it's the scene that everyone goes back to right that is the critic criticizing Mm -hmm. the food Mm -hmm. that's a very good point right 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 but uh, you know this movie is is about so much and i think you know uh the whole idea of you know having uh the polar opposite of what you perceive as somebody who could be a chef right like uh, like the rat cooking the food. I was just about to say that, man. Yeah. That's kind of the, the expression in the movie is like, ask any chef, ask any buddy who owns a, a kitchen. or a, a, The rat is like the literally the scary thing. It's mm-hmm. the anti-sanitation, anti-food, you know, food, anti-restaurant, anti-enjoying your food kind of thing. Right. It's like the representation of a, what a rat means for that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I mean, that scene at the end when they walk into the kitchen, you just see all those rats just hanging out. Hey, man, that would scare the shit out of me. I was going to say, <laughs> I would be like, oh, my God, this is the, the devil. <laughs> this is Satan. Because, um, yeah, that's the, that's the even if you saw one rat, I'd be like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. hell no. Mm-hmm. And kill it right away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would kill Remy on the spot. You would kill, kill Remy? <laughs> Step on his what, head. What if it was one of those New York rats? The motherfuckers are like this. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> Don't even get me started on that, man. Uh, but yeah, yeah, you can continue with your point because I interrupted you. No, no, no. I mean, I'm just saying, like, it, that's just fascinating how you you look at what makes you what what um, how the view of rats and how the view of uh, chefs are so radically different. But when those worlds come together, it actually comes together for something kind of magical. So sure, never, never, uh, never judge a book by its cover. Yep, perspective, yeah. man. It's perspective. all about perspective. Yeah, I mean, think about where. What if that rat just likes your food, bro? <laughs> just let it chomp on it. Yeah. Um, help out nature. Um, but no, it's... it's Except if you're in New York. Stop leaving oh, shit around yeah. New York. Come on, man. Yeah, Come on. Like, stop that. Um, <laughs> like I live in New York. <laughs> Never actually been in New York. So. I have been in New York. <laughs> uh, shout out to New York City, man. Shout out to our yeah. New York fans. New York listeners, comment yeah. down below. Sorry about that. NYC. Um, Brooklyn. No. Nobody, <laughs> nobody listens to the show. Anyways, uh, yeah, I mean that's a very interesting point. That that's kind of what gets you into the movie for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, any other words you want to speak of this? Your yeah. you said is it, is it your favorite? This not my favorite. Okay. It's probably to me I consider like the most adult Pixar okay. movie. Um, but Incredibles is probably 
gonna be my favorite uh one of my favorite picks if not my favorite Pixar. Movie. yeah because we talked about our favorites on the pixar episode, pixar episode. so if you want to hear more about pixar yeah. check that episode out Tune in. um but i forgot what yours was and i forgot what mine was too yeah but, i forgot mine too yeah. um let's move on to live action yeah making that transition making that transition that i remember when this news was coming out that brad bird director of Incredibles and Ratatouille, is going to be directing the next Mission Impossible movie. The reaction, surprisingly enough, was mainly positive, I, at least what I recall from it. Um, but yeah, this was a, this is an enormous movie to jump into. Mm-hmm. Like, think of the, when it comes to budget. Um, it's massive. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, mm-hmm. um, which might be my favorite Mission Impossible movie. Ooh, okay. Um, I love this. I like this movie more than a. Let me see if this is the right one. I'm thinking of. Um, this is the one where he's hanging off the side of the building. Yes, I like this one more than um, the last one. Ghost Protocol. Yeah, no, this this is Ghost Protocol. Oh, I'm sorry. The uh, last one was Rogue Nation. Rogue Nation. I like this one more than Rogue Nation. Uh, I know a lot of people were like, "Yo, Rogue Nation is the best one," and I'm like, mm, "Ghost Protocol." I think Ghost Protocol is way cooler. Yeah. Um, I like Rogue Nation more personally. Yeah. I feel yeah. this has the better scene though. This has the better the better scene. Right. Yeah. That scene provoked me in the theater yeah. like i literally was like like nothing made me feel that way mm-hmm. like hanging out and i saw the i've i just recently we watched hereditary and they played the mission impossible tra- uh, trailer for the new mm-hmm. one that's coming out um i forget the name of it I can't remember the name. fallout Kingdom? fallout oh. <laughs> Fallen Kingdom. Uh, that's jurassic world <laughs> oh man my bad, my bad um but i saw the trailer and it literally thought the same thing i said to myself in my head i was like i don't think anything can top that building scene, mm-hmm. nothing. You could literally do whatever you, you can jump out because he's jumping out of a plane in the trailer. He's mm-hmm. doing a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, bro, throw everything at me. That scene is incredible. Mm-hmm. That that scene of in, Gross, in Ghost Protocol when he's hanging off that, that uh, I think it's Dubai, building mm-hmm. just killed me. I was like, yeah. kill me, man. <laughs> but uh, that's obviously one scene in the movie. But that's kind of... One of the points of these movies right, is to have to, that, that, mm-hmm. those scenes. Yeah, is yeah. to create those super intense incredible greatest of all time action scenes mm-hmm, that can mm-hmm. stand the test of time as being like this is why i'm coming here <laughs> so right. i can see this movie right. um but what did you think of this movie overall and as far as inside the mission impossible franchise uh, like where it stands right i mean I, I love this movie and i think part of why i really love it is because this one to me i mean of course the mission impossible movies are supposed to be like Ethan Hulk and uh, Ethan Hawk, Ethan Hunt and his team, you know. But this was the first time I watched it and it actually kind of felt like this was a real team together, sure. um, with Jeremy Renner. With and of course, I think the original plan was for Jeremy Renner to take over the franchise, right? Yeah. Um, and they set it up that way. Or I think there wasn't that Born Supremacy. Born. Oh, it was one of those. I don't know. <laughs> he had plans. He had a lot of plans. Never worked out. Never worked out. Um, but it was just for for this one though. This one fi- this one finally felt like this is a team of people who are like really working together and really gelled together like really well. Um, Paula Patton is in this. That's um, right. Simon Shout Pegg. out to Paula Patton, man. This is the first time we see Simon Pegg and uh, and and um, Jeremy Renner who stay in the franchise. Of course, Paula Patton never came back for some. No, reason. she didn't. Know. Um, but uh, making it a Bond. <laughs> yeah, new girl every time. Yeah, I mean Jesus. Uh, um, I like no, the... but the new girl. Um, what's her name? Rebecca something. Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah, she yeah. comes back. Amazing. In, in yeah, this one. Um, but uh, yeah, I, 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 I. So for me, the 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 team felt like it was there. The action scenes were like all really good. The, the I mean, obviously the Dubai thing. 
on the building, but then also immediately followed with the the storm, uh, like when they were with the sandstorm, right? Like yeah, the sandstorm. I was gonna say this one has the underwater one too, right? That's or the, that was Rogue Nation. The Rogue Nation, yeah. But the, this one because I was gonna say that underwater thing kill me too. <laughs> the underwater one was the scene for me, and in the, in the, the I, love, I was like, oh. we're not talking about Rogue Nation, but sure. I, the two things I love in Rogue Nation are one, the underwater scene. And, no, I love three things in that movie. I'm sorry. The, the underwater scene, the opera scene. You remember the opera scene? Yeah, that was I, cool. That shit blew my mind. Yeah. And then the motorcycle chase, like after the after the water scene. That that was the one I was lukewarm on. I was really? like, this is cool, but it's just more. <laughs> Dude, I don't know, bro. Literally, the only reason I love that scene is because you see Tom Cruise riding the motorcycle, and like literally, like his knee touches the this the, the, the asphalt, bro. If you're if if you're a real motorcycle thing and your knee touches the shit, like you're almost like guaranteed like dead. You know what I mean? Dead. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your leg just goes like that. It flies off. I just love. I just love seeing one shot of this. This could have been the take that Tom Cruise almost died. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, but uh, but uh, yeah. But this one had uh, that great scene in the uh, in the Russian uh, in the Kremlin. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. You remember that scene where yep. he like has the invisible uh, yes. shield in front of him or whatever? Yeah. Like, oh man. Uh, so this one has a lot of classic. I was gonna say this one's pretty cool, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. I mean, this one's great. And then I, I like the villain in this. In this yeah. In this guy. I mean, I don't really know his like motivation and stuff, but like, he has a cool. I love that also scene where they're like. When they're fighting in like the 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 star and I'm sorry the car garage yeah and the like, car garage thing keep popping cool. <laughs> yeah. I saw this movie in IMAX I saw it in IMAX too I think yeah. this was my first movie that I've seen in IMAX because most IMAX um, for anyone who doesn't know if you live in LA most IMAX in LA I think there's only one that doesn't mm-hmm. most IMAX is IMAX plus 3D mm-hmm. and I don't do 3D movies right. I'm very religious on that sense um, but the, this one was IMAX just IMAX no mm-hmm. 3D with because it was shot in I, it shot we, the tower scene that's right and i remember going to watch this with my cousin who was in town and we we were both like interested in seeing the imax version because imax is a lot of money (laughs) for anyone who pays that imax ticket you're like damn Mm -hmm. this is too much money Mm -hmm. man but let's do it i guess you're in town right but uh but yeah i saw this one in imax and that's why i think part of the reason why i was like my breath was taken away also because i'm afraid of heights Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) so that doesn't help and also holding my breath for Rogue Nation is like a big thing for me. <laughs> so it's like a combination of the reason why I feel what I feel watching these scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this, I thought this movie had crazy stunts too. Like you said, the garage scene was mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. It was pretty intense. Right, 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 right. I mean, they had they had a lot of great stunts. They had a lot of great character moments. I was going to say Simon Pegg is one of my... I, I love Simon Pegg in this movie for sure. Uh-huh. Protocol. Also, I think he really meshed well with the group. Oh, perfectly. Yeah. And I think they needed that balance of like the comedic relief. With the super serious like Jeremy Renner dude, yeah. Um, so I really worked out. I also love that scene where they like crash like in the in the car and like they end up underwater and that like when they or I, I guess um, yeah yeah they they were coming from something like I think was this was that the am I thinking the Ghost Protocol? I don't know. Or when, when they when they when the car like ends up like crashing over the river and like the and it's like that one shot. From inside of the car, where you see everything flipping around, but it's just static or whatever. Oh, I think that's Rogue Nation. I think think so. I might be wrong. I don't know. Let us know in the comments down below. Everyone's screaming at us. How can you not know? They they all kind of blend together. (laughs) I was going to (laughs) say, we've talked for five minutes about Ghost Protocol, and we haven't talked about anything story wise. (laughs) We've talked about all stunts. You like that? No stunt, though. Yo. I mean, that's what these movies are for. I was going to say, that's kind of what it's for. Yeah. Like watching the, the Fallout trailer i was like 
I just want to see it so I can see the crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah. But they're making it a story and like the CIA is hunting down played yeah, by Henry Cavill. And yeah. I'm like, all right. I mean, cool. I, I want to see Henry Cavill kick ass personally. We're going to see. I've been very passionate and you know this mm-hmm. about Stashgate. Shout out to Stashgate. Stashgate. Hashtag Stashgate. It's real. Stashgate is real. Uh-huh. Um, remember, right. <laughs> I was obsessed with it right. because I'm like, how can you have... This this studio to me it's the funniest story in Hollywood in recent memories as far as like you cannot shave su- Superman's mustache but it's like it's Superman no <laughs> it ruined Justice League like one of the things that ruined Justice League like you can't ignore it you well, just can't I just I always thought it was easy I thought it was just so stupid it's yes. easier to add a mustache it's so much than easier to take one away like I oh my god <laughs> I still love that sketch that I think Makuga made. Oh, um, for Collider? I yeah. thought that was awesome. I thought it was awesome, and it's under, 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 uh, underhyped. Um, underrated. Underrated. Stupid. Um, <laughs> I thought it was underrated because I was like, that's so funny. Yeah. It's so true. They're like, uh, I forget who it is. Like, Tom is playing. Uh, the guy. He's like, oh, yeah, how much did it oh, He's like, we, we, it cost us like $300 million to remove that mustache. <laughs> it's like, how much would it cost if it was like, I don't know, 40 grand <laughs> to give him a mustache? Yeah. And Josh McCook is like, yeah, I do this shit all the time. This is my job. I'm a mustache man. I just give people fake mustaches and it looks really real. And he showed him. Yeah. I was like, that's so true. You could have so just given him a mustache. Um, and it's, I don't know, dude, I love that sketch. And freaking... Copster takes my name in that movie too. Um, <laughs> like the, his fake name is my. <laughs> really? oh, that's yeah, uh, um, but uh, but yeah, I, that's kind of my thought process going into Fallout. I'm watching it only for a Henry Cavill mustache. This is real, man. I literally posted <laughs> on Twitter. Um, no, I posted on Twitter of the poster that he has yeah. with the giant machine gun, yeah. with the super crazy minigun, <laughs> and I posted release the stash, and it's, it's Henry Cavill going in his mustaches. I'm I'm hyped for that mustache, bro. Yeah. This is a forty million dollar mustache, bro. <laughs> this is a this is the the mustache that tanked the DC cinematic. This is the mustache that destroyed WB. <laughs> this is hype, man. I'm hyped for yeah, it. Yeah, man. It's Paramount. Be, Shout it's out to be Paramount. One hell of a mustache. I'm telling you. Mustache People break. stop listening. To like, man, these guys are stupid. Fast forward, fast forward. Um, also, I do gotta admit though, I love that Fallout trailer because there's one point in that trailer where like Henry Cavill and uh, and, uh, and and Tom Cruise are fighting yeah. in the bathroom, and yeah. like they literally add a gun, they, they add a gun sound effect when he's like pumping his arms. He goes, yeah, just like yo. He's like yo, it's about to be lit, bro. Henry Cavill and his giant biceps are gonna, and his mustache is gonna take you out, man. Yeah. Yeah. I can't lie. Watching that trailer, I'm like, yo, I kind of want to see Henry Cavill kick Tom Cruise's ass, man. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's mm-hmm. that's me personally. Um, shout out to the CIA. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, you know what? There is one thing in this movie that I think, I mean, the nuclear rush codes is not really important. That's sure. the main object of it. I think that's that, right. It is. I think the, the what is uh, interesting in this movie is the whole idea of like, um, and like uh, was it uh, MI six? MI six, yeah. Uh, how that kind of deteriorates um, because of like you know foreign agents. You know, I don't know. Sure. I'm stretching here, people. I'm yeah. reaching. I'm reaching. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, to, to be fair, there is there is uh, starting with this movie. I feel personally, and then Rogue Nation, and then obviously in Fallout, based on the trailer, we are going to have some politicized stories as far as like because i feel like rogue nation was more politicized sure than this one sure but this was more about the fall the fallout of you know the, the lack of a better word uh, no pun intended the, <laughs> as you uh, say, that's the next one though yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh the, the deterioration of this 
Yeah, of the agency organization yeah. yeah yeah true and and i feel like they do have these kind of interesting messages as far as like what is who's the good guy is it the government is it you know what if the government's telling you to do something that's irresponsible and morally incorrect which mm. i feel personally that should be a bigger question as far as what's going on even now um as far as issues that become politicized when they when they should be moral issues mm-hmm. when, when it, mm-hmm. it's a simple like well that's the right's not gonna like it or the right loves that and i'm like well since when is the right accepting stuff that they've rejected years ago mm-hmm. <laughs> like two years ago mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it's like well we gotta do it because we're the right extreme now and it's like mm-hmm. i feel like there should be a, a moral equivalency of what you're doing and there should be accountability on what the government is deciding to do on a moral level not just a political level and things that become politicized is so upsets me and i've talked about this quite a lot mm-hmm. on this show that you know there's some things that it's like no that's not a political issue that's just a basic human rights issue right, 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 right. <laughs> like i've talked about race before and i hate how race has become it's this thing where it's like well if you're this then you're that and if it's, it's, it's racially and i'm like no that's race is Everyone should should learn to accept everyone. That's mm-hmm. humanity. We're humanity, and it's it's become very much like, well, if you speak Spanish, then f you. And it's like, really? Right. Like we've mm-hmm. seen that. Like in recent, even the guy from New York who was like, really? Like this is what we're going for. Right. Um, and that's the end of my spiel for that. But I do feel like <laughs> this this these movies are kind of saying that, especially with um, the upcoming trailer for the next one, yeah. talking about like what is right, what isn't correct. So there you go. The meaning of Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible. <laughs> now I think the next movie we're going to talk about does have a lot of meaning. In yes, it, it does. Uh, this is a movie I and that see. is a movie, a Disney movie. Shout out to Disney movies like Wrinkle in Time doing poorly. Original, original Disney. This movie. is original, original Disney movie and original, personally, disappointing Disney movie. Oh. Uh, shout out to Ava DuVernay. This one was another one that I sat alone in a theater to watch this movie. And I think it was like a five o'clock screening or something because there was a bunch of kids with me. Wow. And it was hard to watch with kids. Um, but uh, Tomorrowland, Mr. RB3, I expressed my opinions already. But what is your opinion on this movie? I, uh, I got to be honest, y'all. I have not seen this one. Oh, shit. One. Leave my house, RB3. <laughs> How can you be on this podcast and not see the movie, bro? Um, this movie. Okay, so do you know the premise of the movie? Yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so basically, when it comes to IPs and Disney, man, Disney's funny. Disney, Disney, <laughs> Disney. When it comes to theme park um, IPs, I mean, that's Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. It's the same thought process behind this movie. Is saying the haunted mansion, haunted mansion, <laughs> uh, theme park ones. IPs, bro. I'm telling you, and all these movies. Um, take from that because they're free and then they make a story off it jungle cruise mm. coming up with the rock right that's mm. still in production right right it's going to be i don't know but disney says hey let me we have this ip let's just make a movie out of it kind of thing and then they get writers to kind of build a story around it that was tomorrowland unfortunately in my personal opinion i feel like it felt so flat mm. like so flat like there's so many things that happen in this movie that don't hit i mean shout out to george clooney um george clooney and hugh glory hugh glory hugh glory yeah um that i mean they dominate the screen but i feel like you know when it comes to the kids in this movie it just doesn't work 
Um, the main actress being uh, Brett, uh, I can't remember her last name. She was in that movie, Mr. Church, with Eddie Murphy. Yeah, she's she's good. I mean, I, I don't want to say that the acting's bad in any sense. I just felt like um, motivation, scenes, like this movie goes for something when it comes to being motivational and goes for a storyline that seems to be relevant, but it just turns into a, a cartoon fest kind of thing. Mm. It feels like a very poorly directed not directed but a poorly written comedy like the comedy moments just don't hit for this movie Mm. the emotional moments fall so flat for me personally um yeah it it didn't work for me quite a bit but shout out to um i think he was in the movie keegan michael key really Um, okay he's in this he's in it for one scene and it just doesn't work (laughs) yeah man i gotta ask you mr rb3 Everything takes a decision. So why did you not see this movie, man? Um, well, I mean, honestly, I just didn't like. I didn't find any interest in it. I okay. Mean, I like Brad Bird, but then like the reviews came out were pretty lame. Um, I also been to Disneyland a couple times. I didn't really know how they can make an area, uh, you know, a movie, you know that. But I also think I also. I mean, I was very interested in seeing it. The main reason I want to see it is mainly because I I thought it was fascinating that this is the one science fiction movie that takes place in the future that represents a more utopian society as opposed to uh, a dystopian, sure. right? A more uplifting. I mean, I don't know. Does it take, is it time travel or what is it? Like, is it no. alternate? Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's the, actually, yeah, it is. Man, it's been a while. Um, <laughs> <laughs> everyone's screaming at me in the comments right now. I can see them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it is a, a, a certain time travel. It is. Okay, I do remember travel. now because the whole storyline is about George Clooney and his, you know, love, um, and his love interest being, that's weird too. So, so technically I'm remembering now his like love interest is like a little girl when he's a little kid. And then when he turns like 50, he's like holding and I'm like, bro, that girl's like 12, bro. You're like 50. And this is me watching the movie and I'm like, Oh, wait, so this is, doesn't, the ch- is the chick that he's on the adventure with the girl he's in love she's with? A, she's like an AI. So she doesn't age. And then when he grows up and he's like 50 again, he like feels nostalgic about it. And he's like, this was my love. And it's, mm. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So our- everyone's in the comments are like, you're saying it wrong. And I'm like, maybe I am, but that's how I would remember it. Wait, wait, wait. So the main, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So Bro, main- watch this movie. <laughs> and then tweet me afterwards or I'm something. I'm confused, man. I'm confused. And that was the episode on Brad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I need some explanations, goddammit. Bro, <laughs> don't ask me, don't ask me for explanations, man. I just, I remember that part of the movie and I'm like, man, this is weird. Damn. So weird. Wait, wait. So how was Brett, Brett Rob, I think her name is Brett Robinson, right? Is that her name? Uh, yeah, the little girl. I forget her name. Or the, the main character, I think is. No, it's not her. It's, it's, uh. it's, come on. Where is she? Um, it's, it's a, t- it's literally like a little 12 year old girl. Oh, um, it's weird. It's pretty bad. It's pretty but, bad. Okay. But, but yeah, he, he, he eventually finds out that that was a love and he loved her when he was like eight and then she was eight, but now they, they grow up. And so what does the main chick have to do with that? Like um, in the movie? that's not her. Um, she's the one who discovered the, the, the Tomorrowland pin, which takes her to, um, so she's watching the whole thing. Correct. Um, and she's like a side character to their bizarre love story. Oh, okay. um, I'm telling you, man, this is the original. 
um, wrinkle in time. And it's crazy because <laughs> I, I feel that way too about, I mean, the Pirates movies is another one example that, man, those movies are rough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the first one's great. And when it comes to like Disney IP, um, it, it's interesting perspective now because I remember going into like these Disney, I, I forget what it was, but going into these Disney movies now, someone was asking me like, oh, you want to see... I kind of lose interest now because most of the time they're kind of disappointing. And that's why going into Wrinkle in Time, I was already expecting something that I was like, man, I don't like these Disney originals originals, IP movies that Disney makes. I don't like them personally. Like, that's well, kind of my thing. You know, it's funny. I, I really enjoyed John Carter. I really enjoyed... Uh, one. Didn't I, care for it. I, I, I love Tron Legacy. I love Tron Legacy. Uh, All these movies that I don't. <laughs> wait, let me think of another one. Uh, there's, there's gotta be more live action. There's, ones. I mean, Pirates of the Caribbean. Like Pirates, of course, yeah. But um, I that's mean, it. I outside think that's of it. franchises, Tomorrowland, Tomorrowland, uh, and then uh, obviously Wrinkle in Time. There was one that came out last year. Too. Oh, I guess Jungle Book, but that's more based Jungle on Book. Yeah, thing. yeah, that's different. Um, but for the most part, I don't care for these movies, and it's. I'm still looking for that little girl. Sorry, man. Um, <laughs> and it's something that i'm i don't know i don't feel like watching these versus when it comes to like even disney animated movies right when Mm -hmm. it comes to disney animated movies Mm -hmm. i'm hype Mm -hmm. because most people are hype when it comes to pixar movies right but when it comes to disney like record ralph i was i love record ralph it's such a cool movie that a lot of people don't give credit to um because it's not pixar in my opinion um a lot of people are like well it's not pixar and it's not as good as i'm like i like it as remember i told you that Mm -hmm. i think i told you in the pixar Mm -hmm. episode i like it as much it's like Pixar movies. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I even like it more than a few Pixar movies. But mm-hmm. when it comes to live action, I feel like they've they've dropped the ball. But sorry, Brad, <laughs> this is the one <laughs> movie that I'm like ah. But uh, RB3 can't give me his opinion because he hasn't seen it. I but you know what? It. Nah, I do. Have I'm gonna give you homework, RB3. Watch, watch, watch. Go watch home. Hereditary. <laughs> oh, all right. I'll watch that. I'll definitely watch that. I don't know uh, I'll get around to watching tomorrow. I do have one question though for you. Right. Now, I do remember when this movie came out. It did. I I think some people were talking about how it had like this like environmental kind of message or something something like that. Does it have like an envi- or what kind of message does this have? What kind of theme lies underneath? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> <laughs> the theme was love is forever, even if you're 50 and you liked. A girl that looks like she's 12. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember. I'm sorry. Um, I, I believe Hugh Laurie's character is like, um, I know he's a villain, but um, yeah. <laughs> All right. That was this episode. <laughs> Apologies, guys. I apologize I for not getting to Tomorrowland. I apologize for butchering this Tomorrowland discussion. <laughs> um, and I apologize for... For not doing more homework on it, because I was going to rely on RB3. Nah, man. I mean, I, you know what? Hey. We should have texted each other beforehand. We should have. And this would not have happened. And we should just start assigning movies to each other when we, uh. Dude, we should. That'd be great. So we don't have to see, like, a ton of movies, like 14 movies in a week. (laughs) That Ron Harry. Oof. Oof. That one was tough. Um, and I tried. I, I saw like a beautiful mind and it took me forever. That movie's long, bro. Yeah. Um, anyways, guys, that was our episode for the Meaning of Podcast on Brad Bird. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed it. Hopefully, you're not upset at us because we tried our best. But, you know, sometimes sometimes in life, we uh, 
we take a loss, take an L. We uh, we big shot it, but we gonna come back. Uh, <laughs> we, we we draked it by taking an L. Ooh. This is our first time talking about. I'm upset. This is our first. <laughs> no, this is our first time uh, being on the mics since the beef started. Because yeah. like when before it started, we were, we were we were busy. Push T, man, that was mean. Push <laughs> that was we, mean. We literally like didn't record like. We we literally missed the entire window of the beef. Sure, right? <laughs> and, and it's like now, like we, we talked a little bit about yay, and I'm on I'm on Kitsy Ghosts. Kitsy Ghosts is amazing. I'm on Kitsy Ghosts right now, and I'm on it, bro. Like yeah. I'm I'm feeling it. I'm people vibing are, to it. People are loving it, man. It's dope. Yeah, I saw <laughs> Cuddy is like my homie, man. I haven't seen Cuddy in years. Cuddy is like one of my one of my favorite rappers, yeah. and, and I love his style. And yeah. I, I this is my. High school life, man, and yeah. it's back. I'm back with my two favorites, Cud Cudi and Kanye West, and obviously Childish is another one of my favorites. But we talked about him before, right. and now that's why you got to give us give us a music podcast. Somebody, yeah. give us a give us a. I don't think we can do a Kanye episode anymore. Though. I don't think. No, I mean, I mean you're like... against it. I'm still I'm still open to it. <laughs> it's up to you, man. I know the same choice thing. I mean, I like the al- I like the albums. It just still makes it hard for me to talk about. Oh, you, know you like mean? Kanye, like, man? Oh, how can you? How can you like oh, Kanye, man, bro? Oh man, it's crazy. Anyways, guys, that was our episode. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed it. Come back next week when we talk about an awesome director who we will figure out by next week who it's going to be. Uh, we love you guys. Leave us comments down below on what you thought of this episode. And for the meaning of podcast, I'm Brad Bird. I am Ace. This is RB3, and we are peacing out, guys. Peace out. <laughs>